in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, it was a matter of time before things blew up on Eric Adams. I don't know if this is the moment, but a lot of people are catching on. My God, $53 million. Not to the migrants. That was bad enough on, on, on debit cards. Turns out it's $53 million to some shady company that has absolutely no experience in distributing money, and they're going to distribute the money. And how much are they getting paid for handing out debit cards? $53 million. The company who's handing out the debit cards will get $53 million. On top of that goes thousands upon thousands of dollars for each card, and this could all end up to a couple of billion, just like uh, Shirlane McRae. By the way, I just saw uh, de Blasio get heckled on the street. Poor guy. <laughs> Some guy calls him over like they're going to take a selfie and everything's fine. And just as he's, he gets there and de Blasio smiling, he says, hey, thanks for screwing up the city. <laughs> he didn't say screwing up. Yeah, yeah, get out of here, a-hole. That's what the guy said. To, I'm, I'm, I know it's not nice. And by the way, uh, de Blasio, he really did that. He got his hair dyed. You know, we all know. You do it subtly. You do it gradually. You don't do it like that. You suddenly became brown hair. Hey, the other thing is this. Um, James Biden, the brother of Joe, showed up to get uh, deposed by the House Oversight Committee. A couple of things. You know, just like Joe, he's a clothes horse. He comes in there like a gangster. He's got this, uh, like a shawl on. It's the Bidens, what they do. They dress rich. They always have. You got to spend that money somehow. And you got to be careful with it. You can't, you don't want to get caught. So you put it into, you put it into things like clothes and cars and disposables. Now to review what he said this morning, James Biden, brother of Joe, I have had a 53-year career in a variety of businesses. Joe Biden has never had any involvement or any direct or indirect financial interest in those activities. None. Written by a lawyer, I'm telling you, there are holes that uh, you could drive uh, the USS Eisenhower aircraft carrier through. I have never asked my brother to take any official action on behalf of me, my business associates, or anyone else. Any official action? You get this? You get this? You think we're a bunch of chumps? You and your lawyer? Well, I don't trust you or your lawyer, but I do trust Tony Bobolinsky. And I trust Tucker Carlson. And even though they tried to ban Tony Bobolinsky from the Internet and cover up this story, he told it. And it's been preserved. And I think he's telling the truth. And uh, let's review what Tony said. This is what he said about the guy who just said he had, Joe Biden had never had anything to do with it all. N- anything. Listen to this. Go ahead, please. So it was clear to you that Joe Biden's son had told him about this business. Crystal right? clear. Crystal clear. Tell us about the conversation that subsequently occurred between you and Joe Biden. So the conversation, as you're well aware, Tucker, I grew up the son of a 
recruit a naval officer. So the president of the United States was always the commander in chief, whether they were a Democrat or Republican or other. And so I had the highest respect for Joe and the, uh, you know, the office that he had held. And so I stood up and shook his hand. And uh, obviously we sat down and I think ordered some drinks. I think uh, Jim Biden was hungry and might have ordered some food. And, um, you know, Joe asked me to talk about my background, my family. He thanked me for my service. Um, I'm obviously very proud of that, proud of my brother's service and my grandfather's service. And uh, then he walked through sort of his family, um, you know, obviously some of the tragedies they've dealt with, his political career in a high level. Um, you know, we didn't go into de- too much detail in business because Hunt, prior uh, to Joe showing up, Hunter and Jim had coached me. Listen, we won't go into too much detail here. This is just a high-level discussion and meeting. So it's not like I was drilling down with Joe about cap tables and, and, uh, and details. So you said that they wanted you to meet Joe Biden as a way to induce you to participate in this deal. You were, you were the actual business guy here who had management experience, deal experience. But it also sounds like Joe Biden was vetting you to some extent. Yes, of course. Like, um, I didn't request to meet with Joe. They requested that I meet with Joe. And, uh, you know, he's putting his um, and Hunter says this in writing. It was uh, referenced multiple times. Uh, they were putting their entire family legacy on the line. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were dealing with a Chinese owned, you know, uh, enterprise uh, run by Chairman Yi, CFC, that had strong financial support and political support from the Chinese Communist Party. That's how it was presented to me. That's not my own words. That's how they presented it to me and read me in on it. And uh, my, they, they being Gillier and Hunter they Biden. They being Hunter Biden, who was very proud of that and taking credit for it when I sat with him for two hours on the patio of the Chateau Marmont in L.A. Proud that they were doing a deal with the Chinese Communist Party? Well, proud that they were, that he had the relationship with Chairman Yi, who was running uh, CFC, and the ability for them to get deals done around the world and stuff like that. You've seen a number of journalists, reporters covering the story, including some who should know better, declare triumphantly that no document you've released connects the former vice president to this deal. How do you react to that? What's your answer to it? So you can imagine what I've been through over the last uh, couple months and um, knowing all this to be fact and watching Joe Biden and, uh, and his family and their lawyers uh, trout around the world stating that there was no involvement or even at the debate, Joe Biden referenced that you've seen my tax returns and there's no money from foreign you know, enterprises in that. I want to simplify this for the American people as much as I can. On May 13th, that email was sent from James Gillier to me. I didn't generate that email. James Gillier generated that email. And in that email, James Gillier goes through intimate detail of what each individual's requests were from a compensation perspective and how the equity in the enterprise would be divvied up. Very important, May 13th, that email was generated by somebody else to me. In that email, there's a statement where they go through the equity, Jim Biden's referenced as, you know, 10%, doesn't say Biden, it says Jim, and then it has 10% for the big guy held by H. I 1,000% sit here and know that the big guy is referencing Joe Biden. Um, it's, that's crystal clear to me because I lived it. I met with the former vice president in person 
multiple times. And I had been meeting and talking with Hunter Biden and uh, Jim Biden and Rob Walker and James Gillier. Where the media has tried to hide, and I personally feel it's disgusting, is between that May 13th email and the final document that was executed called Oneida Holdings, LLC. In Oneida Holdings, LLC, the equity is broken up 20 percent Hunter Biden, 20 percent Jim Biden. Well, they're LLCs that represented them. Right. 20 percent James Gillier, 20 percent Rob Walker and 20 percent me and my investment entity. What I'd ask the American people to read and look at is how from May 13th to the final Oneida document that got executed, did Jim Biden go from a 10 percent owner to a 20 percent owner? That's not my question to answer. I'm sure there were discussions within the Biden family. I wasn't privy to that discussion. But this is Jim Biden, the brother of the potential future president of the United States. It's not a distant cousin. It's not an employee. It's his brother who in documents defines himself as a political advisor to his brother. And so I'll leave that to the American people to answer that. But I don't understand how the American journalist is allowing that gap to be even talked about and defined. So, and, and I should say, and, and I want to put the document on the screen, in his pitch to the Chinese, in his bio, Jim Biden describes himself as an advisor, a current advisor to his brother. So was it clear to you from the beginning that what Jim Biden was bringing to this deal was his relationship with Joe Biden? Yeah, thousand percent, crystal clear. Uh, after I met with Joe Biden the morning of May 3rd at the Milken conference and then was taken backstage um, after Joe had spoken, you know, we joked around for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then I walked him out to his car. I think he was uh, I think they referenced he was off to see the lieutenant governor. This is Joe Biden. Joe Sorry. Biden. Yes. Yeah. And then after that, I went over to the Peninsula Hotel and I sat with Jim Biden for two hours where Jim Biden walked through his history um, and his own words stating all the work and effort he did to get Joe Biden elected initially in Delaware and then through the family history um, and the role that he had played in it. And um, in that meeting, um, remember, I'm the son of a naval officer. I'm a naval officer, was a naval officer myself. And because I held a Q clearance, which is the equivalent of a top secret clearance, um, we're audited every year. So um, if you receive a gift, I think the, the barrier was $25, anything larger than $25, we had to disclose it to the government because obviously anybody with the clearance, the government is watching closely that they're not influenced by the Russians, the Iranians, the Chinese and stuff like that. So as I was listening to Jim walk through this, um, I have a big heart. If you talk to anybody who knows me, they would uh, they, they would weigh in on that. Um, I'm a kind person. And um, I'm thinking about the Biden family, like, how are they doing this? I know Joe decided not to run in 2016, but what if he ran in the future? Aren't they taking political risk or headline risk? And I remember looking at Jim Biden and saying, how are you guys getting away with this? Like, aren't you concerned? And he sort of he looked at me and he laughed a little bit and said, uh, plausible deniability. He said that out loud? Uh, yes, he said it directly to me, one-on-one -on -one in a cabana at the Peninsula Hotel after about an you know, hour-and-a-half, two-hour meeting, with me asking out of concern, 
How are you guys doing this? Aren't you concerned that you're going to put your brother's, you know, future presidential campaign at risk? Um, you know, the Chinese, the stuff that you guys have been doing already in 2015 and 2016 around the world. And uh, I just can almost picture his face where he sort of chuckles and says, you know, plausible deniability. So he. How about that? How about that? And what is. James Biden say today to the House Oversight Committee. I have never asked my brother to take any official action on behalf of me, my business associates, or anyone else. Again, there is a major... You see what's happening? I know they asked him about Tony Bobolinsky today. Ooh, this is getting good. James Flippin, welcome to the studio. Hi, Greg. So, yeah, I mean... What, do you want a windstorm over there? Everything all right? I don't know what's going on with that. All right, stop touching that thing. (laughs) Uh, what's going on? So, uh, plenty of stuff to talk about here in the city. Obviously, the national story that you're referring to is something we're paying attention to as well. But did you see this lawsuit that was filed by the mom of a teen who died in a subway surfing incident? The mom, the family suing the MTA, but also TikTok and Meta saying that basically teens are getting addicted to social media and these subway surfing videos and that these companies have a responsibility to cut down on these subway surfing videos. That refers to when kids ride on the outside of the train to try to go viral on social media because they take video of it. Yeah, good for her. She should sue. So you think those algorithms, in essence, are yeah. you know set up to be abusive? In absolutely. Absolutely. Sue their asses off. And the MTA, they I, I, say... I, 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 I think I get the vibe. You're trying to say, like... Are you trying to say or others trying to say, like, can you believe this woman is suing? No, 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 no. I, I, so the subway surfing thing is just a tragedy. You know what I mean? Like you hear about it, it seems at least once a month or something like that. I, don't know, it's a tra- I mean, it's very, very stupid, but it's it is inspired and encouraged by uh, TikTok. And we know where TikTok is coming from. And uh, they want kids to uh, destroy themselves. And that whole thing with the algorithm is kind of an interesting debate because, you know, in essence, the social media companies say that they're trying to curate a feed that somebody would be interested in. You know, if you say you're into videos about American history or something, they're going to spit videos your way like American history. But yeah, then, I know. But then they'll sneak in this video that you don't even know you're going to like. And it's of, uh, you know, I don't know, girls gone wild or uh, or kids surfing on subways. And it's like you're hooked. There's all kinds of stuff that I'm looking at that I didn't even know existed. Right. Then I'm like, like, I can't stop looking at it. And I'm not even I'm not talking, you know, porn or anything like that. I mean, I happen to really like pens. Hmm. It's one of the things, and I just like people like experimenting with calligraphy. Mm-hmm. I'll sit and watch that for 45 minutes. I like watches. And then it shows me Rolex watches and Patek Philippe and Audemars Piguet and all these damn watches. And then it, they take them apart and they put them back. Then I like planes, and it shows planes taking off and landing and crashing and doing all kinds of things. I never knew there was so much stuff online other than, you know, I thought it was all porn. Apparently there's a lot more content. Well, but I guess what you're suggesting is also if you're younger and that's going to influence what you do or the stuff you buy or whatever, then that's somewhat potentially problematic. Everybody needs to unplug, period. All right? Here, throwing this thing away. (laughs) He did. He threw it away. That's it. Um, And then what about this? Did you hear about this? They found a leg, a human leg. What is this thing? What is this thing? A, a handset? This a is telephone? a landline telephone. It is a landline. It's been sitting in front of me for three years. I've never touched it. What yeah. it how do you? How does it when even work? When was the last work? time you made a call on a landline? I wouldn't even know what to do. Do you press nine first? I, I what don't happens? think you actually. I'm not sure if you have Hello? to this line. Hello? 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 Are you getting a dial tone? Hello? Oh, I'm hanging up on people by mistake. We call the radio station. <laughs> 
Sorry. Call back. Please call back. They, I don't know how to use the phone anymore. Uh, the call screeners are like, what did you just do? Oops. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nobody uses that anymore. No, that's true. All right. Bottom line is what? Uh, well, I was going to say that they found this leg on the subway up in the oh, Bronx. Jesus. Do you have anything and nice to say? There's always a leg. Nice. <laughs> oh, what about? There's Wait, now, I gotta, leg. Well, now you're doing this well, one well, on me? What happened? Well, I got to go. Don't go away because I got to find out about All that right. leg. See, I Bye. told you. <laughs> Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, During the commercial break, I stared at a video of a puma cat having a standoff with an aardvark. Picture that that animal, an aardvark, right, with the big, weird, funnel-like nose. And a puma cat, and they had a standoff. And I'm waiting. There's music, and I'm waiting for somebody, you know, like, who's going to win? And then they, it was a stalemate, and they just walked off at the end. And I can't get enough of it. I'm trying to picture, like, I feel like aardvarks, do they have, like, sort of like a, a tough exterior? Yeah, you kind of know one when you see one. It's a, it's like a cross between a porcupine. Like anteater sort of And an anteater and a skunk. Yeah. And I think they just kind of mush them all together and right. you, you get an aardvark. What was the other thing you wanted? To, oh, uh, that, that leg. Uh, you say a leg was found on the train. Is this necessary? Um, I'm going to say no. Not necessary, well, but there might be listeners who are waiting for us to pay well, off what that What the tease. hell happened? So the MTA says it looks like a guy who unfortunately was killed by a subway. They found his body on the tracks, and this was somewhere in lower Manhattan. The guy's body was missing a leg. So now that they found this leg on the subway tracks up in the Bronx, they think it might be from the same guy. Now, how did you it get, think? How did it get up there? Maybe it was stuck to the train. I, I don't know, but... In essence, they're doing DNA testing now to try to figure that out. Can't they just take a look at the guy's shoe? That's a little rudimentary, don't you think? I mean, was it clothed? Do we know? I believe it was clothed. All right. Kind of gross, but uh, all right. Hey, Mayor Giuliani joining me uh, with some important stuff. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, all right. All right. Here we are. And uh, a lot of interesting things going on. Fascinating things. Not shocking. I knew it all along. But uh, let me see here. Uh, okay. I want to talk to you about well, Mr. Mayor joins us. Hey, Mayor. Great to have you back. How are you? You there? I'm here right here. Oh, wonderful. 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 Hey, did you see what uh, what Jim Biden just told the committee down yeah. there? He said, I have had a 50-year career in a variety of positions. Joe Biden has never had any involvement, direct or indirect, in any financial interest, none. He also says, I have never asked my brother to take any official action on behalf of me, my business associates, or anyone else. These are clearly from a lawyer, and they are clearly, uh, uh, you could drive uh, you could drive big oh, trucks yeah. through them, couldn't you? Well, it runs in the family, pathological lying. Uh, I mean, this guy started off pretty much with Joe as a, you know, two bit, uh, uh, bribe taker and, and bag man before they were in the big money. I mean, he, look, there have been articles about him going back to the 1980s as to how slimy he is. He's been in and out of one company, another company. Uh, he's the guy who gave a talk about how they could use Joe's influence and, uh, Bo had to stop him, had to, had to, had to slow him down. Uh, 
I mean, he's probably the biggest mouth of all in terms of even worse than even worse than Hunter in terms of giving away the deal. That's why it was uh, kind of interesting that he was the one that said plausible deniability to Bobulinski mm. because he's probably the biggest offender of violating plausible deniability. You could probably find 10, 12 witnesses who would tell you that he has directly told them what Joe can do for them. Hey, I don't know more if you so saw than Hunter. Hunter was more Hunter was more uh more <laughs> believe it or not a more sophisticated bag man. When this guy showed up today at the committee, I don't know if you saw him, but he was dressed kind of like a gangster. He reminded me of Gotti with Interesting. The, yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. had a very nice pinstripe suit on. He had on a great big scarf and it was the guy had I got to tell you, he had swagger. And just like yeah. Hunter, they they kind of are they enjoy the attention. They want to be powerful. Well, Joe does too. Joe thinks they're they're above it. Did they, by any chance, have the like another brother sitting in the audience uh, uh, with Tom Hagen? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this person? Uh, yeah. He is here to support his brother in this time of need, and nothing bad will happen to him. <laughs> Did they ask him about the one billion, one point five billion dollar contract in Iraq? Yeah, we don't know. And uh, that he got it. That he got a presumably uh, somewhere between twenty five. And 33%? Yeah, this is patently false. I mean, he can't say that his brother, you know, I mean, everything this guy is is because of his brother. We know that. He knows that, but he's lying like crazy. Hey, I want to ask you this also, Mr. Mayor. Did you see that Smirnoff, this is the informant who had some suspicions and some information about Joe and Hunter. He told it to the FBI the FBI has turned around and arrested him. I just looked at the indictment or the criminal complaint or whatever the hell you call it. Yeah, what do they charge him with? Well, lying to the FBI. And this document is so weird. Oh, I urge you to go through it. If you could read it for me. I hope they don't put him in Epstein cell. <laughs> well, how about this? A judge has already let him out of jail. I oh, mean, what, what this thing reads like to me is the FBI is very crude, almost childish, and just like, you know, 2016, we're not going to let Joe Biden, we're not going to let Donald Trump win. Just like 2020, we're going to pretend that the Hunter Biden laptop isn't real. They're like just so, they're inelegant about election yeah. interference. That's why Gray is a big phony. I mean, I have a lot of my friends saying, well, he's trying now to fix the FBI. Honestly, Greg, he's done nothing to fix the FBI. Christopher Ray. Yeah. Ray is a big phony. Uh, in fact, his his story is probably one of the most interesting. I have no idea why he, he became so crooked and hid the hard drive and lied about I mean, he, basically, he and and Barr floated that whole and entertained that whole Russian uh, uh, agent thing when, when we put out the hard drive. And it covered, it covered uh, Biden. Why the hell they would do that? I mean, I don't understand why they do any of it. But when the hard drive comes out in October of the campaign and Biden goes on television and lies about it, you're the head of the FBI and the attorney general. You know that's patently false. It's one of the biggest lies told by a presidential candidate well, ever. Well, can I just ask you about Doesn't something? something as a patriot have you come forward? Well, something? Well, OK, wait. On the, the head of the I'm sorry, the owner of that little laptop store, John Paul Mac Isaac, I think his name was. Right. That's it. He gave the laptop to the FBI like in February or even earlier, right? A year, a year before, basically a year before he gave it to Costello and me. Yeah. All right, now here's the question I have. Isn't it possible that it just got filed away in some office in Baltimore and the attorney mm-hmm. general and the FBI director never found out about it? No, because it went cross-country. Uh, he, gave, he gave it up in originally in Las Vegas. 
And then he once again uh, he once again went to the FBI in Philadelphia, and they had complete knowledge of it. And they came to him, and when they came to him, they came to him with a guy from the sex crimes unit. So they, he actually turned it into the FBI twice because they had done nothing with it. And uh, the the thing was verified early on, and sent up the chain of command. It was verified back in. I mean, it look it looks like the committee has proof that it went through the chain of command way back in December of 2019, which means it went up to Ray by that time. What we don't know is when did Barr find out about it. I think okay. we can, I, th- I think they can prove that Ray knew about it about a year before it came out. About, knew about not only knew about it knew that it was valid okay i get you i get you hey let me just read this if you don't mind i'm sorry to jump all over this but i want to go back to the uh informant the fbi informant who told the fbi that there may have been of 10 million dollars going to hunter and joe biden uh from people in ukraine i that one that one i have no that one i have no feel for it 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 sounded strange to me when i first heard i never heard that so Number here, let me let me hit let me hit this. Uh, the defendant's twenty. This is in the indictment. The defendant's twenty twenty story in the ten twenty three was a fabrication. The defendants claim that in late twenty fifteen, early uh, in late twenty fifteen twenty sixteen, during the Obama Biden administration, he first met with Burisma official number two, and that at that meeting, Burisma official number two told him that they hired business person number one Hunter to protect us through his dad from all kinds of problems was false as he knew. Similarly, the defendant's claims that he met with Burisma official number one one or two months later, around the time, da, 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 one to five million dollars, was false and he knew. Now, here's the part. No such statements were made to the defendant because, in truth and fact, defendant met with officials from Burisma for the first time in 2017 after public official one left office in January of 2017 and after the then-Ukrainian prosecutor general had been fired in February 2016. The first meeting the defendant had with officials from Burisma occurred at a time when public official number one no longer had the ability to influence U.S. policy, and then after after the then-Ukrainian prosecutor general was out of office. The defendant's story to the FBI was a fabrication, an amalgam of otherwise unremarkable business meetings and contacts that had actually occurred, but at a later date than he claimed, and for the purpose of pitching Burisma on the defendant's services and products, not for discussing bribes to public official one when he was in office. Now that seems like a lot of crap to me. No, that the idea, what they're basically saying is Joe Biden was not worthy of being bribed because he was no longer vice president. Yeah, here's what they're doing. Uh, whether this guy is uh, lying, uh, partially right, confused about dates or whatever, uh, the guy's a latecomer to the, to the narrative. And it doesn't, con- it doesn't contradict the actual narrative, which uh, Joe himself lays out when he explains the bribe uh, on, on, on the video recording to the foreign policy uh, people. Where he said that in exchange for, for a, a billion dollars, you got to get rid of the prosecutor. And then, remember, they don't point this out. There's a tape recording in which Joe uh, approves the new prosecutor, the one who drops the case. So, and then you've got independent proof of the money that went to Joe, both uh, 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 a a um, a transmission from. Oh, gosh, it, went, it was like a, um, a money laundering transmission that went from Latvia to Cyprus to Hunter's bank account with a notation of money for Joe. 
So I, and that was during his vice president. That's nothing to do with this informant. I get it. This well, was two years before we had this. We had the case on him, uh, 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 Greg. And sometime I'll, I'll go through the case, which is very simple that we had even before the hard drive. Okay, but why would the FBI hassle this guy now? Number one, doesn't this send a chilling message? Of to, course, right? Other potential 100%, informants. Hundred <laughs> percent. It, so, it sounds to me like there's one or two possibilities. I mean, probably it's the second one. The guy has it half right and half wrong, like a lot of these guys. He has the wrong dates. He's got he's got the right crime bribery. He just may not have the details correct. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Joe, there's no question that the Biden family got somewhere between eight and twelve million. Uh oh. Uh oh. We lost him. He's on the dark side of the moon. Nope, he's re-entering Earth's atmosphere. Hey, Mr. Mayor, we lost you for about 15 oh, seconds. Good. You're back. Uh, so th- there's no question that uh, there's a witness out there that can produce, they say, but they've never been questioned by the FBI, the offshore bank accounts with the additional Burisma money. Now, like Bobolinsky, the FBI has avoided this guy for four years, woman, for four years. I mean, isn't it ridiculous that Bobolinsky has not been re-interviewed by the FBI? His testimony is a completely relevant it's about as direct testimony of crimes you're going to get. And you just don't dismiss a guy because, oh, he's a liar. What, what are we basing that on, that he's a liar? So this is the part that it strikes me as incredibly amateurish, incredibly kind of simplistic, almost naive and sinister at the same time. The FBI putting this stuff in writing, putting this stuff like you can't believe the guy because the dates are wrong. You can't believe the guy because he's talking about bribing Joe Biden when he wasn't even vice president anymore. How could you ever bribe somebody who's not in government? I mean, it's just so weird. And it tells me that the FBI, they've not learned any lessons, not no. from 2016, Zero. right? Zero. They haven't learned any lessons since the time they went and uh, went and got my iCloud account the day that I began representing Donald Trump so they could spy on Trump. And that's five years ago. And at that time, they were out of control, illegal corrupt and they're just as out of control and corrupt now and the guy responsible for that is Barr and ray what they do you both, tell they people? both could have straightened it out and Barr also is the guy who's responsible he was he, he was in charge of epstein who tells us epstein was whole thing was kosher and doesn't tell us that uh epstein may have been hired by his father that's all left out of the of bar bar originally was going to recuse himself from epstein because his law firm represented epstein he didn't add the fact that. Wait, thought, wait, 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 wait. Bill Barr's law firm represented Epstein? Bill Barr's law firm, like a big law firm. So somebody in the law firm had represented Epstein in the past. I did he, not know that. He, I when, did know uh, that. Dur- during his confirmation hearing, he said he either said he was going to recuse himself or consider it. Then he didn't. And then he pronounced the whole thing uh, uh, strange, but uh, everything's fine. I mean, he, he committed suicide. He didn't mention the fact that his father was the head of a private school. Epstein uh, started the private school the year after, but he was hired while the father was there. Now, this is the Dalton School. This part I knew. And, uh, I mean, do you think that actually goes back to... I think you got to disclose it. Yeah, well, we've we've disclosed it for him. (laughs) Believe me. Why is Mr. Integrity not not disclosing it? I mean, I'm going to tell you why it, 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 it... it sticks in my craw because something happened to Barr. 
Barr went from, uh, if we want to make it simple, bad guy to good guy overnight. Or and good guy to bad ex- guy. Yeah, from bad from good guy to bad guy overnight. And in my experience, and I bet your dad's, that usually happens when they when they got something on you. And they visit you. Huh. That usually happens when somebody says, <laughs> you want to talk about that? Here's what we're going to talk about. What do you think it could be? I don't know. It might not be that. It could be something else. But I, I do not see an attorney general s- sitting on the hard drive. I can't believe Ray knew about it, and Barr didn't. Seems to me Ray is a little weasel and will cover himself on anything. Barr might be, you know, is, is the bigger figure. So he, the Barr had to have known about it. In fact, if Barr didn't know about it and it came out, the first thing a, a honest AG would do is throw, is throw <laughs> figuratively throw him out the window, fire him. Imagine the director of the FBI doesn't tell you that basically they're fixing an election? <laughs> the other side fixing an election? Well, guess what? They're doing it again. This part right here, what we're seeing right now, they're trying to do it again. Just like in 2020 and 2016. Even more blatantly. More blatantly. Indi- indi- four. I-, I would like to figure out if anybody has ever been put up for trial four times in one year in the history of America. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. You can't go to trial four times in one year. Right. It- it's automatically a violation of due process because you can't prepare, Greg. Hey, by the way, I just got to tell you this real quick, and I feel like no one else noticed it, but I was really looking at the 92-page Engeron ruling. And, folks, you know when they say Donald Trump had a trust in Vornado, a 30% trust, he owned 30% of 1296 Avenue and 555 California Avenue, right? Right. Uh, And the judge said he fraudulently put these down, these, these entities, as cash, quote, cash unquote cash on his financial disclosure form on his standard what do they call it again uh condition of uh financial right. statement of financial condition right. sfc so guess what guess what i looked it up you know what it says on that sfc it says cash and cash equivalents <laughs> cash and cash equivalents and he only used the word cash this son of a bitch is a liar. I busted him, Mr. Mayor, because all the other stuff was a little bit hazy and murky. I knew Trump was innocent, but this is deception. This is outright well, the guy, fraud. The guy, the guy is a joke. I believe the case is going to get reversed because it's beyond the pale. Uh, if you're going to do corruption, you got to do it so everybody's not covered if they have any sense of you know dignity or protection. This is the most ridiculously laughable ruling. And unless you have to pretend that you agree with it, nobody agrees with it. Yeah. And everyone sees him as a complete clown and fool and corrupt, uh, basically, pawn of the, of the Democrat establishment. And the uh, law clerk sitting there is really the Democrat agent, like the Communist Party has agents. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Schumer's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, to, make what sure, <laughs> to make sure that he, he, he does the party line. Mr. Mayor, we got to run. Have a great show. We will talk soon. Looking forward to it. Well, Thank yeah, you, sir. forward to yours tonight. Thank you, pal. <laughs> Be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ah, always great talking to the mayor. It's got great spirit, you know, never gets down. And uh, maybe the worst of it is behind us, you know. It, it was pretty bleak there for a while, but everything, everything's coming around. It's beautiful. All right, Barbara, it's your turn. Hello. Hi, Greg. 
hearing what you're talking about, about what's going on with the Biden family, et cetera, uh, brings to mind what Frederick Bastiat, the French economist and statesman, said. He said, when plunder becomes a way of life for a group of people in a society, over the course of time, they'll create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it, a moral code that glorifies it, because socialists desire to practice legal plunder, not illegal plunder. They desire to make the law their own weapon, for when plunder is abetted by the law, it does not fear your courts, your gendarmes, and your prisons. Rather, it may call upon them for help. Mm, Basquiat, right? Yes, Frederick Basquiat. That is it describes exactly the dark state. It describes the Biden family. It describes what has happened to Trump in the courts where the law has been used against Trump and against, by extension, all Americans of property. It's so John true. Adams. It's so yeah. true. Uh, Barbara, thank you for that. Basquiat. Wow, we have some real brainiacs out there. Uh, may they rest in peace. Mimi in New Hyde Park. Hi. Hi, Greg. I just want to talk about uh, the trip that President Trump took with Melania and uh, Senator, uh, I mean, um, Governor Huckabee, um, the present uh, governor. Um, They went in 2018, I think it was, in the middle of the night on the 26th at 2 a.m. with a darkened plane and uh, the the, uh, place, the landing uh, lane was dark. All right. Where the hell did they go? What are you talking about? What happened in 2018? They went to Iraq. All right. They went to Iraq six years ago. Got it. What else? And uh, the... They didn't know. The soldiers didn't know who was coming. And then they aroused. They they clapped their hands. They were so excited over him. And that's what um, the uh, I forgot her name. The one who's running for um, uh, for president. She's saying that he doesn't like the soldiers or doesn't. Yeah, like she it. doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. She's terrible. He he uh, set aside. He he allowed them to go to private hospitals, to private doctors. He he uh, he did an executive order. He he punished the people who were punishing uh, veterans and loved him. Now we love him. We love him. Whether you're a veteran or not a veteran, uh, I do remember that trip. That's what he was talking about. Raisin Cane, General Raisin Cane. And I hope Raisin Kane, whoever he is, is in the Trump administration. Thank you all.